can try to walk in the shoes of David. We can walk in the shoes of the onlookers. The Israelites, the yeah. Philistines. We could walk in the shoes of Saul, maybe even Goliath. Those are really good exercises in imagination. And at the same time, is that really what scripture is about? Us taking on a certain virtue and wielding it successfully. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Faith Refresh, where we take another look at the Bible passages, beliefs, and other church stuff you've probably heard a million times and find something fresh. Hello, welcome back to episode four of Faith Refresh. I'm Anson, along with Chaplain Justin. Howdy. Happy to be with you again, Justin. Yeah, me too. We are going back to another Bible story this week. We're talking about a classic David and Goliath. <laughs> yes. This is perhaps the classic, maybe Sunday school story mm-hmm. that we've probably all grown up with. Even if you weren't brought up in a Christian tradition, yeah, that's true. you've probably heard of David mm-hmm. and Goliath. Yeah. I mean, it's a cultural thing that mm-hmm. we know about beyond just Christian subculture. We may talk about that a little bit more yeah. later on. But if you grew up in Sunday school, you definitely, definitely heard this story. Yeah. I mean, maybe along with Noah's Ark and just a couple others. Mm-hmm. I wanted to share this quote with you, Justin, because I found it humorous. It's from okay. a guy named Chad Bird. He says, ever since its appearance in the late 1700s, Sunday school has played a key role in teaching boys and girls how to read the Bible like they're not Christians. (laughs) Oh, wow. That's a tough quote. That's very harsh. It Um, is harsh. There's been a lot of good from Sunday school and Sunday school teachers Mm -hmm. and the reading of Bible stories, but it is possible for us to get off track from time to time. And this is a story where, at least personally, I feel like it's really easy to do. Yeah. And we'll talk a little bit more about that as well. But let me start with this. I think a lot of stereotypical Sunday school lessons kind of go like this. Okay. Okay. Little Anson is taught about Noah's Ark, right? Noah was good and God loved Noah. Yes. And Noah obeyed. And so God saved him. So if Anson is good and obedient, Uh God will love and save Anson too, right? Right. And we could do this All the way through the Old (laughs) Testament, right? Daniel in the lion's den. Daniel was faithful. Even when bad people were against him, God rescued Daniel because he was faithful. If Anson is faithful, God will rescue him from bad people too. Yeah. Right. And this goes back to our first episode, actually. We talked about Abraham Mm -hmm. and how narratives, including biblical stories, are pretty easily hijacked by our own egos mm-hmm. and our egocentric yeah. way of looking at the world, right? Give Just us a to story. Make sense. Yeah. 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 We're trying to make sense of it. Give us a story. Ask us who we identify with. And nine times out of 10, we're probably going to pick the hero of the story <laughs> right. because they embody everything that we desire, right? right? For victory, success, and approval. And so in this granddaddy of them all <laughs> Sunday <laughs> yeah. school story totally. of David and Goliath, we love David, mm-hmm. right? Because David embodies everything that we want to be. He's the hero of the story. Underdog. He overcomes huge odds. He had brains over brawn. Yes. We eat all of this up. So you've probably heard this lesson in Sunday school or maybe even in adult church. Um, (laughs) You've heard maybe the uh, sermon on the five smooth stones uh, that you need to pluck out of the water to slay your own Goliath. (laughs) And maybe we should start there because I can poke fun at all of those tropes, right, of, you know, slaying our own giants. But this is something that is not just a like Sunday school stereotype that we all make Mm -mm. fun of. Mm -mm. This is a, a real living interpretation of this 
story mm-hmm. that we are David in the story and that God can help us slay our own giants. There's a, uh, pretty popular worship song right now from a pretty yes, popular true. Yep. band that talks about slaying our own giants. You've probably heard the phrase, God gives his toughest battles to his strongest soldiers. That one gets thrown yeah. around a lot. Yeah. Is this David and Goliath, a story about facing our giants <laughs> and why or why not? Yeah, that's a good question. Oh, yes and no. The classic yes and no. Mm-hmm. Because we can try to walk in the shoes of David. Mm-hmm. We could walk in the shoes of the onlookers on either side. Mm. The Israelites, the yeah. Philistines. We could walk in the shoes of Saul. Yeah. Maybe even Goliath. Mm. Maybe his armor bearer that's just there next to him. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Those are really good exercises in imagination and trying to make sense of the biblical text. Yeah. Like to really put yourself in uh, that narrative, that sure. story. And at the same time, is that really what scripture is about? Mm. Us taking on a certain virtue, say faith or whatever, and wielding it successfully. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, to be like David in the sense of, yeah, I'm small too, and these giants are big, but if I trust God, you know. If I have enough faith, if yeah, I have enough bravery. Whatever, yeah, bravery. I'm going to be victorious. Yes. Remember when we were talking about uh, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who Mm -hmm. strengthens me? You know, it's the same thing. Well, what if Goliath doesn't fall? Mm. And that happens in our lives. We face defeat. Sometimes the giant wins. We lose. And that can really undercut our faith in Scripture or just, Mm. God, what are you about? If not this, then what? Which is a great question. Yeah. Well, knowing what you just said, that this is a yes and no kind of a thing, this exercise of stepping into the shoes of certain characters Mm -hmm. in a Mm -hmm. story can be fruitful in some ways, even if it's not maybe the ultimate meaning of the meaning text of the and text. point. Yeah. Right. Yeah. What are the things maybe that we could learn from inserting ourselves into this story, whether it's as David, or you even mentioned some of these other characters. One of them that you mentioned that I think is kind of interesting is the Israelites yes. that were looking on all the Israelites except David, mm-hmm. because they had a very different um, condition of their hearts and minds. Yeah. They were discouraged, very much dismayed. So. And uh, they How need often help. do we find ourselves in that place? Yes, we're onlookers, and who's going to take up this fight mm. on our behalf? Yeah. Who is the person that's going to do it? That's mm. a tremendous question. And then, of course, there's Saul, who's a very interesting yeah. character in this story the as king well. The king in name. Right. And yet... <laughs> he looks the part. Yes. I mean, yep. like, he's everything you think you want a king to be. Exactly. And yet he's standing over there with the Israelites, yeah, right? Yeah, standoff. <laughs> just waiting it out. Seeing what's... <laughs> he's not putting on his armor or his sword and going. Yeah. The way that you would hope a king would. And then enters David, which is an interesting twist in the story. You even mentioned the idea of seeing ourselves potentially as Goliath. Mm-hmm. And that's really interesting because how many times do you naturally read a story and go, you know who I am in the story? (laughs) The villain, the guy everybody hates, the guy that's causing all the trouble. And yet, if we examine our own beliefs as Christians, Mm -hmm. our theology about the depravity of man, Mm -hmm. we're messed up people. We're sinners. And so why is it that we always gravitate towards the good guy, the hero, at Mm -hmm. least the one that we perceive to be the good guy and the hero, and we never necessarily see ourselves 
on the other side. Mm -hmm. I find that interesting. Very interesting. But I think there could be some interesting takeaways from that perspective. Maybe I have a little bit more in common with Goliath Mm -hmm. than I would like to think, right? Maybe I'm not like nine feet tall and an imposing warrior or whatever, but maybe I'm pretty into myself. Yeah. And maybe I defy God sometimes. Yes. Maybe I exalt myself a little bit and Maybe I'm a big giant sinner. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. I'll just make it personal. Like maybe I have, like you said, defied God in some way. Maybe I looked at his people and looked down upon them. Maybe mm-hmm. I thought I was the champion, which is ironic given what we just said about the facing the giants. Right, right. right. And maybe there is even part of me that needs to die. Mm. I am crucified with Christ. I no longer live, Paul says. And so maybe there is something we can lean into there. And again, these are good things to lean into, and we might find some surprising insights. Mm -hmm. And again, we have to come back to, okay, but what is the meaning of this text? And I want to apply that to my life. Okay, so if that's the case, a theme we seem to be honing in on as we examine some of these biblical stories, I think we kind of arrived at the same place with the story of Abraham Mm -hmm. and Isaac a few episodes ago, is that Bible stories are more than just moral lessons. Yes. Right? This this equation kind of that I laid out at the beginning that we very easily kind of slip into, even as children, of like, if I do X, God will do Mm -hmm. Y. We get Z as the result. Biblical narrative is not about that formula and replicating that formula, then what is the biblical narrative really about? <laughs> yes, that's yeah. not a small question. Yeah, you that's can take e- that one, right? It's easy, yeah. It'll only take us two hours or so, <laughs> yeah. or maybe a seminar, a weekend seminar. But I think if we were to put it really simply, just like we said before with Abraham and Isaac, is to reveal the name, the character, the nature, the redemptive purposes of God, mm. period. Yeah. He is introducing himself through his story and through all of these stories, he has a very specific redemptive agenda to all of this that he is whispering and that is building up all these threads that eventually come to fruition uh, in the person and work of Christ in his first and second coming. Yeah. You know, going back to that quote, the kind of harsh one that I started out right, the episode yeah. with, he says that Sunday school has been really good at teaching boys and girls to read the Bible like they're not Christians. Mm-hmm. It's kind of tongue in cheek. It's kind of harsh, but I think it's actually kind of an interesting mm. point mm-hmm. because of that word Christians. Like right. what, what is a Christian? A Christian is a little Christ, a yeah. follower of Christ. Yeah. Right. And so if we're reading the Bible as Christians, right. We should be looking for Christ in the Bible. Yes. Right. And that feels like a really, well, duh, kind of self-evident thing to say. Mm -hmm. And yet I think especially in the Old Testament, for me at least, it feels like you have to dig a little bit further under the surface Mm -hmm. or look a little bit more closely to find Christ in these stories. Yes. It's not always a self-evident thing. And if we're not purposefully reading these stories or the biblical narrative with the objective that you just outlined in mind, it could be easy to miss. Yeah, and it's also on the other side, you can short circuit the text by just, okay, where's Jesus? Mm. Rather than, no, here's this text in this context, taking it and studying it, what's the culture, the history, the specific language in it now, with all that work done, how might this lead us to Jesus in one way or another? That is really the heart behind what God is after. 
and who we want to trust in ultimately, mm. which is not my best effort at being David in David and Goliath, right? But ultimately in Jesus, yeah, facing all the kinds of giants, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. So okay, it's not an I can do all things. It's yeah. not Philippians, right? What's the story really about? Where do we see Jesus in this story? Is it just as simple as Jesus is the new David and, right, and yeah. he kind of occupies mm-hmm. that place in, mm-hmm. in this story? I think just to kind of bring the, the point home a little bit is Jesus himself sets this dynamic up in terms of scripture in Matthew 22, where Pharisees try to stump him with a Bible question about paying taxes to Caesar Sadducees try to stump him about the resurrection. Then the Pharisees come back again and try to stump him about the greatest commandment. Mm. And then Jesus asks them a question, and his question that he wants to put to them is, who is the Christ (laughs) in Psalm 110 specifically? pretty focused. Which is interesting because he's saying, whose son is the Christ? And he's quoting from a Psalm of David, where David is saying, the Lord said to my Lord. So he's talking about his lineage, Mm. the future Christ, the Messiah, Mm -hmm. and calling him Lord. And Jesus is like, so Bible study scholars, (laughs) who is the Christ? You know, and they're stumped. They, They can't answer him. And so this is legitimate. We want to study the text in its context, use all those tools, and ask the question, who is the Christ? I want to take a step back for just a moment. Yeah. Before we started recording the podcast, you mentioned uh, a very interesting book by mm. an author named Malcolm Gladwell. Yes, very popular. A lot of people are probably familiar with him. He wrote a book about David and Goliath. Mm-hmm. It's kind of interesting because obviously we approach this story in a certain way as Christians, Christians right. whether that's trying to find Christ in the story mm-hmm. or just reading it as kind of a, a moral lesson, lesson right. but with a Christian bent yeah. to it, right? But Malcolm Gladwell's book kind of represents another perspective on Mm -hmm. this story, a more secular approach, because there are people who would say, yeah, we can go to the Bible. It's a, you know, the most popular book in in history. History, And there's a lot of really interesting content in there and there's things that we can draw from it. And so he kind of points out this story as containing some lessons, Christianity and Christ completely removed from the equation, which is a very interesting thing. There are some interesting insights. Yeah. Again, like the different perspectives that we're talking about, they can be pieces of the puzzle. Gladwell kind of uh, naturalizes this text, kind of takes all the supernatural out of it and says that Goliath probably had acromegaly, uh, which is a disease where tumors develop on the pituitary gland, and so someone never stops growing. Mm. And there's different symptoms that come with that, a lot of pain, a labored movement, eyesight. And so he starts looking at this story and says, well, he has an armor bearer with him. Why is he being guided onto this battlefield? Mm. Whenever David comes to him, he's like, who is this boy that comes to me with sticks? But David only had a staff. And double vision is a symptom of this disease. And so he's saying, you know, what's going on is Goliath looks strong, 
but he actually is weak okay. and has weaknesses. Yeah. David looks weak, but he's strategic, mm. and he exploits those weaknesses. Instead of going at him with a sword close quarters, he stays away, and with the sling, he's actually bringing a gun to a knife fight. Okay, right. <laughs> so, so you kind of have the strategic leadership application. Truly brains yeah. over brawn. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Work and, smarter, not yeah. harder. And so one side, the Christian perspective moral lesson is like faith, right? Yeah. Spiritual faith and facing your giants, and then Gladwell over here is just saying being wise and strategic and you face your giants yeah you know which i think we adopt as christians too yes, like, i mean yeah. like we're really into this like christian leadership space and not that you know strategic leadership is absolutely the fact that there's a lot of good from those speakers and those authors mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. a lot of lessons to learn and yet what does this mean <laughs> you like what does this mean right yeah. certainly i mean maybe not certainly i don't know as i sit here and think about it i go Okay, who wrote this account? How many thousands of years mm-hmm. ago? Mm-hmm. What did they have in mind as they were writing it? Mm-hmm. Was it really about strategic leadership? Like, <laughs> you know, is that a is that an application we can draw from the text through our own interpretation of it? Sure, mm-hmm. and that's one of the amazing things about all literature and all narrative, right? Mm-hmm. Is that mm-hmm. when we go read it, like we're bringing our own perspective to the table, and yet I think we're also really missing out on the meaning and power of the story if we are focused solely on that perspective that we bring to the story and not original intent. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. I think big picture, we can look at the Garden of Eden, perfect fellowship with God and creation. Mm -hmm. And the fall happens, sin enters the world, and you have this mysterious promise that there's going to be one who comes, an offspring, who will crush the head of the serpent and he will bruise his heel. And it's like, okay, But that is a really important thing that you begin to look for throughout the whole Bible. And so God chooses Abraham. Okay, it's going to come through Abraham. Now God creates a nation uh, through Moses and the Exodus and things like that. Mm -hmm. Okay, he's going to come from this nation. And then eventually, okay, this nation is unruly. You have judges and all that. And now there's a king and the Messiah this one who's going to crush the head of the serpent is going to come through this lineage. So it gets really broad and becomes narrower and narrower and narrow. And you're looking for who is this one? Yeah. I can't help but think about the Jesus storybook Bible. Oh, as yeah. You're explaining that. Yeah, we love that. And if you have not read it, you should go buy yourself a copy right now. Right. <laughs> if you have kids, go read it to your kids. If mm. not, just read it to yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Because it is a children's adaptation of the Bible. One of the strengths of that is that it explains what you're talking about so, so clearly mm-hmm. that this whole biblical narrative is tied together by the idea of God's rescue plan. Yes. Right. Yeah. There is a plan at work that God is putting into action with every single story you walk through, through the Old Testament. That plan is coming into focus. Mm-hmm. And it's getting clearer and clearer and clearer. And we see another kind of step along that mm-hmm. path of that plan being revealed in this story, right? As David now comes to the forefront. And when you get into the gospels and you look at the lineage uh, from which Jesus comes, there's David right up there kind of at the top of of that list, that this is the line that the Christ would come from. And this is kind of the start of, of David's story. And we do see some reflections of Christ in David in the story, right? Like David and then the coming second David, if you will, who really is capable of slaying those giants. Yeah, absolutely. Even if we're not. 
Yeah, and I think that specifically, you're moving from the period of judges, where there would be these temporary deliverers for the people, and eventually the people of Israel reject God as their king. We want a, a human king. Right. And he actually says, okay, and they choose Saul, mm-hmm. uh, who is in this story. Also present right? here, exactly. yeah, as we mentioned. And so there is the man-selected Saul, mm-hmm. who's king, but God anoints David as king. Mm-hmm. The anointed one is the word Messiah, which is the Messiah. So he is the anointed one, and Saul's in the background in this story, and even as a small boy, the anointed one is the one who brings victory on behalf of God's people. And not the one that you would expect yes, entering the story, too, yeah. right? Little shepherd boy. Yeah, very interesting. As we talk about this idea of seeking out Christ in these Old Testament mm-hmm. stories, I really like how you answered the question originally by saying yes and no, mm-hmm. leaving room for other interpretations or examinations of the story. Because it kind of leaves me with this question, like, all right, so what of application then, Mm -hmm, right? So as we read these Old Testament stories, yes, okay, I'm getting what you're saying. I'm starting to pick out this theme that is tied from the very beginning with Adam and Eve all the way through to Jesus, through the Old Testament, God's rescue plan is being revealed, and yet... Is there something from this story in particular then that I can take mm-hmm. and apply to my own life? Or or is the application really just as simple as Christ is coming, Christ has come, mm-hmm. and this story points us to that? Yeah, it's trust and follow Jesus. Mm. He's the king, uh, and he's not the one that you would expect. Mm. He is the good shepherd. Like There's all kinds of things that you could look at in yeah. that story. But there's also a truth to the whole facing your giants thing in that my grace is sufficient for you. My mm. strength is made perfect in weakness. We can hold on to that. The reason we can hold on to that is because Christ is the one that gives us that strength. Right. He has it to give. We can't muster it up on our own behalf. Like sometimes that application can sound like, right. be like David. Well, I'm going to fall short of that. And there are certain Goliaths that I cannot face, like death is a big one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and who can win that victory on our behalf? Right. It's the death and resurrection of Jesus, you know, 1 Corinthians 15. And sorry, I I can't win that one. Mm -hmm. I need someone to win that on my behalf, to deal with my sinful condition before God, to reconcile me, to make all things new. These are all things above my pay grade. I need a Messiah. I need an anointed one. And we have that in Jesus. And we see some pictures of how he works, what he's like Mm. in David. Yeah. He's not what you would expect. He doesn't do things the way, according to even to Gladwell's point, (laughs) the the rules of engagement that you would expect. Nope, he doesn't do it that way. Mm -hmm. He doesn't look the part of the king, but he is the king. And that happens all through the Gospels. Yeah. I mean, that is the main issue is we don't want you to be king. You're not the king. (laughs) He's like, yeah, I'm the king. I'm the son of David. I'm the Messiah, the anointed one. He's healing people. He's defeating all kinds of giants, and they say no. Right. It is so almost tragic, if not for the the cross and the empty tomb. Yeah, and you think about Saul. I, I kind of see a little bit of myself in him Absolutely. back there, probably scoffing at, Look at, at this, this kid, David. And later on, you know, he starts trying to kill the kid, but throwing spears oh, at him gosh, and stuff. I mean, yeah, it's like, terrible. And we can make fun of Saul and how crazy his character seems, and yet I think sometimes those 
crazy off their rocker characters mm-hmm. as I step back are kind of the ones where I go, man, no, I see a little bit of myself yes. in that character, namely in their rejection mm-hmm. of the king. Yes. Right. And ultimately, I, I don't want that to be my choice to reject the king. Mm-hmm. But so often with my words and, and, and my deeds, I have rejected mm-hmm. him and I have to ask forgiveness for that. But I see that in me. I see that Saul in me mm-hmm. of kind of going, well, maybe I can try it on my own, or maybe I need to wait for a better mm-hmm. option to come along to take care of this problem. Well, I don't want to give up my throne, right? That I want to protect it. Yeah. I want I want to be the boss, you right. know? Or like with Goliath, I want to be the champion. Yeah. It's like, no, I need a king. No, right. I need a champion to fight on my behalf. We see that in David, and we have it ultimately in, in Christ. Because even David falls short you know, as we see in his story. And so then you, again, it begs the question, well, if not him, then who? Yes. Right? And it keeps on going. The tension keeps on building. Right. Yeah, Yeah, because you have this hero after hero that appears in in the biblical stories, and yet they all mess it up in some way. We Mm -hmm. talked about that kind of with Abraham, right? That like he's the father of the Israelite nation. Mm -hmm. He's the patriarch. Yes. And yet... He has his own issues. Flawed in so um, many ways, yeah. Throughout the stories that we read about him, all the way down to David, who's described, you know, man after God's own heart, about as good as it gets in terms of a guy and his willingness to to obey God and be faithful to what God asks of him. And then he goes and kills a dude, mm-hmm. you know, and commits adultery. And, and so... Yeah, even these giants in terms of of the faith Mm -hmm. um, were kind of let down by them. And we go, you know what? Maybe me inserting myself into the story as David really isn't the answer because even David managed to mess it up. Yeah, we still need someone else. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was thinking of a couple of different ways that this could apply is, you know, Paul in 1 Corinthians 1, I believe, talks about we preach what seems like foolishness, which is the cross of Christ, but is the power of God. Mm. That's the stones. Yeah. Right? (laughs) If you're going to use application of the stones, (laughs) it's the cross. It seems foolish. Yeah. And it's the power of God. Another thing is I, I think about how strong Jesus is and how gentle he wields that strength, mm. that enemy of death. Mm. And I, I remember uh, Jairus' daughter, and she dies, she's sick, and she dies. And Jesus goes up to her, sits by her, takes her by the hand, and says, child, arise. He defeats death. Just by taking her hand and saying a word does the insurmountable. Mm. And he does that on the basis of his person and work, who he is, his cross, his resurrection is going to pay for all that. But that's strength. Mm. I want to follow and trust in him. Thanks for listening to Faith Refresh. You can find more Real FM pods and tons of other cool stuff on the Real FM app and at real.fm. Faith Refresh is hosted by Justin Rusinowski, and I'm Anson Beyer. If you enjoyed the show, please consider writing a review on your platform of choice. It will help others to discover the podcast and listen for themselves. Faith Refresh is a part of the Real FM Podcast Network, a ministry of John Brown University.